the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So just how do we come to the Father? How do we end up children of heaven, citizens of that heavenly realm? Is it by the good works we do, by things that we do, or is it something else? We're exploring what makes us sons and daughters of God. Next, on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. yourself up by your bootstraps. Do the best that you can do. These and many other sayings are sayings that, sadly, most within the church community live by. As we will see in the next couple of days out of Galatians chapter 3 and 4, we are sons and daughters of the Most High, not through what we do, how we act, or how good we might be. Rather, through faith, faith alone. We invite you to join us today. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's Gary now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. A preacher is always trying to come up with plainer, clearer, fresher ways of explaining things in the Bible, particularly if those things are of fundamental importance and of eternal significance. He wants to say say things that will be remembered, not for his own sake, but so throughout your life, when situations arise that you need the particular truth that is taught in a particular passage being considered, you will remember the point that is made. And that's why I have taken so much time looking at one piece of a chapter Sunday after Sunday. And that's why we have spent so much time studying the third chapter of Galatians, always trying to say it just a little differently so that it will stick a little more firmly into your mind and your conscience. So let's do it once again. The summary of this text that we have been looking at is basically this. God made Abraham a promise. God gave Moses a law. God sent Jesus to fulfill the promise and remove the curse of the law. Very easy to remember. God gave Abraham a promise. God gave Moses a law. And God sent Jesus to fulfill the promise and to remove the curse of the law. That promise that God gave to Abraham that we call the covenant of grace... It's a promise of intimate and eternal fellowship between God and his people in the Lord Jesus Christ throughout all eternity. That promise was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, who thereby then brings the holy presence of God into our lives and brings us into the presence of God, that we might enjoy a 
personal relationship with him as friend with friend. That law that God gave Moses was given so that good friends would know how to live as God's friends in this world. But, of course, we are sinners. We have broken that law. And the law of God has no power to forgive. It can only curse and condemn those who break it. So in the law of God, doing all kinds of right things, there was no hope for us because we couldn't do enough right things. So God sent Jesus into the world to fulfill his promise and to bring those who believe in him into a personal relationship with him and also to die on a cross to remove the curse of the law. Not to remove the law, but to remove the curse of the law that God had over us because of our rebellion against his law and to put us into a new position where we want to obey God's law from our hearts as we depend not upon the flesh, but upon the Holy Spirit. God gave Abraham a promise. God gave Moses his law, and God sent his son, Jesus, to fulfill the promise and to remove the curse of the law. Now, as we go back to this passage that we've been looking at for several Sundays, I want to spend time considering a subject that I've only touched on, and that is this. Why is it? That the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, our standing before God in his law is changed forever. Why is it that the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, our whole relationship with God is changed forever? Well, before I answer that question, let's look at our text and see what has changed. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and become a Christian... Nothing is ever the same again. But let's look specifically now to see in our text how it defines that change that takes place in our relationship with God the moment we believe in Jesus. Let's look at the 26th verse of Galatians chapter 3. How has our relationship with God changed? And then after we see that, We'll see why it is that the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, all of these things happen. Verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We have become the sons and daughters of God. That was the essence of our change. But we believed in Jesus. In Jesus, we were his enemies. Before we believed in Jesus, we were his enemies. We were under his curse. There was hostility in our hearts toward God, and there was anger in God's heart toward us. But the moment we believed in Jesus, we became the sons and daughters of God with all of the rights and all of the privileges that go with being God's children. He forgave us of everything we have ever done. He accepted us into his family, and he bestowed his fatherly love upon us for all eternity. And nothing can separate us from the fatherly love of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So there is the essence of our change. The moment you believe in Jesus, 
your whole relationship changes and you become God's children. Now, that refutes one of the most prevalent and damnable doctrines of the 19th, 20th, and 21st century. And that is that the universal is the universal fatherhood of God. If you listen to all the hype, you know, around Christmas and Easter, people are saying all men are brothers and God is the father of all men and hearts, you know, unfold like flowers before him as fatherly love rules over us all. But verse 26 says, you are all sons of God through faith. In Jesus Christ. So if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a son of God. It is as simple as that, beloved. And to change that is to destroy Christianity. God is the creator of all human beings. We are all his creatures and his subjects, but the only people who enjoy a father-child relationship with the living God are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the moment they do, that moment all charges against us are dropped. Everything you have ever done against God or said against God, God forgets, and he will never hold any of it against you again. And you are then adopted into his family. Look at verse 28. What happens? What is this change that takes place the moment we believe? Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So this change that takes place the moment we believe is we become sons and daughters of God. And the moment we believe in Jesus, we become one. In fact, one translation of this verse says, we become one person in Christ. And of course, in one way or another, the Bible emphasizes this fact, that in the body of Christ, which is comprised of all of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we not only belong to God as sons and daughters, but we also belong to each other as brothers and sisters. And we are to relate to each other, not simply as brothers and sisters relate, but as they should actually relate, to serve each other, to love each other. We recognize in the body of Christ that we are now members of the moment we believe that we are not only obligated to God and serve him with all our heart and put his interests and his demands above our own interest, but we are to do the same thing with everyone else who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to consider the interests of other people who believe in Jesus, with whom we are one in the body of Christ, as more important than our own interest. So we read throughout history of people being willing to sacrifice their wealth, their time, their energy, their health, and even their very lives for the welfare and the edification of their brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you believe in Jesus, you belong 
to every other believer in Jesus upon the face of this earth. And in that great oneness, which the world has often tried to imitate but cannot produce, and in that deep spiritual unity that we have together in the body of Christ, there is no distinction of race, rank, or sex. Notice what our text says in verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. Now, Jew or Greek has to do with race. Slave or free man has to do with rank. And there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So, there is no distinction of race. Racism is repugnant to justification by faith. Someone who believes in racism and who seeks to set one race as superior over another simply because of the color of their skin has absolutely no understanding of the book of Galatians or the gospel of justification by grace through faith in Christ alone. Years ago, I spoke to a man who was quite clearly a racist and yet professed to be a Christian. And he said he believed the book of Galatians, just like the rest of the Bible, that it was infallible. So I asked him, what do you think ultimately defines a man? A color of his skin or his relationship to Jesus Christ? He answered, well, I'll have to think about that. So I replied, you've already answered. You're a heretic. There is nothing to think about. The entire book of Galatians was written against the racism of the Judaizers that even affected Peter at one particular point in time. So there is no room whatsoever for racism in the gospel, in the Christian church, or in the body of Christ. The covenant that God made with Abraham includes every family and every nation. It does not confine itself to one nationality or one ethnic group. In the body of Christ, this one body of all believers, there is no distinction of race. There's also no distinction of rank. Just as there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man. In fallen human society, often circumstances of birth and wealth, privileges, education have divided people. But in Christianity, snobbery is absolutely prohibited and class distinctions are of no value. Also, there's no distinction of sex. There is neither male nor female, it says. When it comes to enjoying the promises of God and the full-orbed blessings of salvation, there is no distinction between men and women, boys and girls, in the body of Christ or those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Equality of male and female in Christ has always characterized true Christianity. And any feminist or whoever to the contrary on television or internet blogs that say the opposite is forcing upon you a lie in order to carry out his or her own agenda. Throughout history, 
This evil world and anti-Christianity has always taught that in society, either men are a dominant force or women over women, or women are a dominant force over men. But true Christianity has never, never taught such a thing. True Christianity has always taught that as repulsive and true Christianity throughout the centuries has taught faithfully the equality of men and women in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when we say that, someone is probably going to ask the question, well, how does the point this passage is making, that Christ is neither male nor female, fit with the Bible's other teaching that only men can hold church office, such as elders, preachers, and deacons. And only men can teach in a public worship service and lead in worship. If there is this equality of male and female in Christ, doesn't that contradict what the Bible teaches elsewhere, that women are to remain silent in church, neither to teach authoritatively nor to be a part of ruling? The fact of the matter is, that the Bible does teach both. The Bible clearly teaches that in Christ, there is no distinction between male and female, listen, in the enjoying of the privileges of being in Christ. And we cannot compromise that verse. Everyone in Christ, man, woman, boy, girl, has the same privileges and the same blessings And we have all received them the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are all equally heirs of the promises of God. And we are equally male and female, those who belong to Christ. But the Bible also teaches, as in marriage, men and women do not have the same roles and responsibilities. For instance, men don't have babies. Praise the Lord. The male-female relationship was deliberately designed by God always to illustrate and reflect the relationship of Christ and His church. There are different responsibilities that women, men and women hold in the body of Christ. The men are responsible for the government of the church to, to reflect the headship of Christ. The women have the responsibility of being the supporting submissive, yet important people in the church. That is in no way to say that women are inferior, because the Bible says when it comes to enjoying the blessings of salvation, the joys of salvation, the privileges of being a child of God, there is absolutely no distinction. There is no difference. The difference, however, comes in the area of roles and responsibilities. I want to read to you a paragraph from the great Anglican John Stott, who explains this passage, I believe, very well, and he tells us something we need to bear in mind. He's talking about the fact that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, and he says this, a word of caution must be added. The great statement of verse 28 does not mean that racial, social, and sexual distinctions are actually obliterated. Now, that is important. Christians are not literally colorblind. 
so they do not notice a person's skin is black, brown, yellow, or white, just like they do notice whether a person is male or female. Nor are they unaware of the cultural and educational background from which people come. Nor do they ignore a person's sex, treating a woman as if she were a man, or treating a man as if she were a woman. Of course, every person belongs to a certain race and nation, and has been nurtured in a particular culture, and is either male or female. When we say that Christ has abolished these distinctions, we do not mean that they do not exist, but they do not matter. They are still there, but they are no longer barriers to fellowship, and in no way do they determine how many or how few blessings a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ receives from him. As believers must think and act as one organic body and not simply as a collection of conservative, independent-minded individuals forced to hang together now and then. Which, by the way, he says, most conservative churches are. Because that's the way conservatives are. Rugged individualists who would rather be by themselves. But they know they've still got to go to church. Let's start again. We must see as a threat to the welfare of the body of Christ anything that contradicts that oneness in Christ, such as gossip, an extreme individualism, individualism, cliques that exclude other people in the church, social or business interests, or non-truths. Oh, by the way, there is nothing that destroys the oneness that believers have in the Lord Jesus Christ, like teaching and preaching and believing things that are not true, of doctrines that cannot be found in Scripture. There is nothing that destroys the unity we have in the body of Christ, either as much as lovelessness or the preaching of things that are not true. And we are capable of these attitudes, and they must be repudiated in ourselves, and we must confront them in others. Now, let me ask you three questions. Is there anyone you are unconsciously leaving out or overlooking in our congregation. You don't know anything about them, and you probably really don't care, and actually you've never even thought about them. Well, we are all one. We're all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of race, rank, or sex. We belong to each other. Is there anything in here that you belong to, that you haven't taken the time to get to know or at least to be friendly with? Here's another question. Maybe there's someone saying, Pastor Gary, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel overlooked. I feel like I've been left out. People are just not friendly with me. Anytime anyone says that, we should all ask, Lord, is it I? Am I the one who's responsible for this neglect? But the person who feels overlooked and neglected, let me ask you a question, and probably a tough question. Do you feel overlooked and neglected because you are more concerned with having people being friendly with you 
than you being friendly with other people? Are you more concerned with people being your friends than being their friends? Have you sought out people in this congregation that you have tried to get to know, or at least by a smile on your face, say to that person, we belong to one another. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.